This the remix. When you try your best, but you don't succeed. off about some of the things that a lot of us try and do just to practice what we put our bodies through just to sleep at night. And for that to be the result of all that effort, pisses me off. Pisses a lot of guys off. It's hard knowing what some guys are doing. Like I said, just to practice what they're putting in their body just to sleep at night. Like, just so we could be there for each other. And I wish everybody in that room felt the same way about this place. And as a leader, that pisses me off, if I'm being honest. I think 0-6 oh, and six in one-score games, you're saying it's a play here or there. How much also falls on you and your staff? Starts with me. So, um, you know, we're going to have to figure out something different to do to try to, you know, get free from some of these close scores and close games or and or make enough plays at the end to win, you know. So it always starts with us. It starts with me. So um, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm going to do everything I can do to try to figure out, you know, what we can do to do better uh, to, to change the results. Is there in any way a disconnect with what you're trying to do and this new staff as far as the system? You know, I don't think so. I love, I love Josh. I love our coaches. They've had nothing but success. Way more success than I've ever had. You know, I'm sorry. I think the emotion of just nine years of stuff <laughs> hit me today for how much I really love this place. And it's not going to change anything. I'm going to come out here, I'm going to fight, I'm going to compete next week. And that's what I'm going to do. I am curious, Ed, you asked the question too. How much should we point to coaching for one score losses? I mean, I think it all goes together, but I think you'd point to it a lot. It's in, uh, Here's the interesting part to me. I don't feel like Josh McDaniels has made any egregious like, mistakes, like bad in-game management decisions that you'd point to and say, oh, they lost a three-point game because he didn't go for it on a fourth and inches. Or like, I don't feel like he's made those bad in-game terrible mistakes. He went for two to put them up three, and I was like, whoa. Yeah. He didn't trot out the kicker. So, but that there's, there's more than one element to it, right? Like that's the game management part. There's also the game planning part. And then the other thing that we don't know a lot about is the whole, you know, have you lost the locker room? Do the yeah. players buy in oh. that type of stuff? All right. Ready to go out some grades. Here we go. Grainy's grades. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Raise, raise. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Grainy's grades. First topic to grade. You heard it there in the rejoin. Derek Carr's press conference. Well, A for us. Oh, man. <laughs> a. I mean, uh, we don't have an E, right? Uh, an E? What, what's an e? Emotions. A. Emotions. Emotions. Um, Solid. You know, I think... Like you said, nine years of it kind of all caught up to him at once. And I'm also thinking that he might be thinking this is it for him here. You think so? I think he's thinking in those terms right now. I think he's thinking that he look, he knows his contract is better as best as anyone. He knows they can get out of it. And they keep losing games. 
someone's going to take the fall, and it's not going to be the coach. So I'm going to give Derek Carr two grades on this. First one is an A+. A+. I enjoy that Derek Carr was willing to show that much emotion publicly to the media. Right. Like I, I very I wish we had more of that when we had players talking to the media. Players that were in that type of situation willing to show all of their emotions. And Derek Carr did a hundred percent. But he also gets an F. F. Because when he was fighting back tears, the answer that he gave here what here's what he basically was trying to do. He was trying to get credit for trying really hard. When he talks about all the effort we put in, what guys are doing to their bodies just to show up and play. Just to sleep at night. He's asking people to give him and his teammates credit for trying. That's kind of the bare minimum, right? Like when you're being like, ah, I wish everybody knew everything we went through to get out here on Sundays. That's what every team in the league is doing. That's every player in the NFL. So like that's not, that to me is not meaningful when it's like, oh, we, we tried really hard to play. That's the NFL. Like, that's what every, that's what you if, signed up for. If we're giving out high fives and applause for that, yeah. every team in the league is getting that. That doesn't make you special. But the other part that he also gets an F for is F. he essentially throws his teammates under the yes. bus when he says, I wish everybody in this yeah. locker room. I don't know what's in guys' heads. Way. I wish they all felt the same way I do about this place. Right. Like, that's Derek Carr basically saying, I care, but not everybody in that locker room cares the same way I do. And that's Derek Carr. Listen, most of the time when Derek Carr gets up and talks to the media, he takes the blame, even when he shouldn't, even mm. when it's clearly not right. his fault, he'll get up there and he'll publicly it's on to me. the media. It's on me. I have to be better. Right. Yes, exactly. But yesterday he threw his teammates under the bus for not caring, not caring as much as him, not trying as much. Devonte Adams did it a little bit too, saying not everybody's bought in for 60 minutes. And that gets an F for Carr. F. Because I do think a lot of that's on the coaching. But Derek Carr and Devontae Adams are supposed to be the leaders of this team. And while it reflects poorly on the coaches, it also reflects poorly on them. Do you have a problem with when they throw these guys under the bus, which I think um, Adams has kind of done two straight weeks, and now Carr absolutely did yesterday, that they don't specifically name names? Because it could be like, 20 guys. I mean, right. it could be just a split down the middle of the locker room, and they're not going to sit here and say, hey, Joe, Pete, Mike, they're all on the side, and they're on our side. It's just, when you do that, I'd like to know how many guys are you talking about? That would be that would be interesting to know, is it? Because here's the thing. Is it I'd two have, or 20? I'd have to imagine every team around the league has two guys that are not bought in. Or are not happy <laughs> right. with their situation. Like, even the Eagles have to have two guys on the roster. It's like, are... why am I not playing more? Right. So uh, I... It's Gardner Minshew. <laughs> so I can't imagine. <laughs> I could do what he's doing. <laughs> so, like, even last year's Raiders team, when they ripped off the four straight wins at the end, there had to be somebody on that roster who wasn't happy. Right? So I can't imagine it's only, like, two guys. With one possible exception, and this is obviously complete speculation, is he talking about Darren Waller? Ooh, so, uh, Darren Waller solo? Yeah, I talking mean there might be one more, guy. Uh, there might be more guys included. I think there's more guys. But is he talking about Darren Waller? Because that full answer is him talking about what we do to our bodies to play football right. on Sunday. 
And Darren Waller has not been playing football on Sundays. I wonder if he's talking about Darren Waller. Again, I believe I absolutely believe there's whatever, 10, 15, whatever the number is. There's more guys that Adams and, and Carr are talking about that are not bought in. But I do wonder how much of that is about Darren Waller, mm-hmm. who is not playing. Did not think of that. While Carr's I mean, up here saying, did not think of that. we go through so much to play football. He's, Meanwhile, one of their main guys is not out there. Derek Carr is going, I, I can't lift up my arm the next day and meanwhile you're at an aces game <laughs> hey they haven't played in a while jared okay <laughs> but i do that i do genuinely wonder how much darren waller plays into that answer next topic next topic <laughs> aj cole oh a plus a plus he's the only one who did anything the best player on the field he's the only one who did anything <laughs> Three inside. He was pinning them. Yeah, yes. like 50, 56 net, three inside the 20. Pinned them on the, well, it was the one, but it was really the five, three and out, and then they go and score. He's He was the best player in the field for the Raiders. The hot take is that the Raiders had a chance to win that game on their last drive because of A.J. Cole. Yeah. If he doesn't pin them three times inside the 20, yeah. the Colts probably score right. more points in that game. Or they waste they waste more time because oh, yeah. they get, a, first, they get right. a couple first downs. And that's... Like, in all seriousness, A.J. Cole flipped the field enough that the Colts, listen, they won the game yesterday. Jonathan Taylor had a big run. Matt Ryan looked fine. The Colts don't have a good offense. We're not talking about no, the team. They have one of the worst, if not the worst, offenses right. in the league, and they've got, like, four four plus. But if they're having to start on their own 10 versus, like, the 40 or something like that, they'd probably kick another field goal yeah. or two. And look at that. The Colts are winning by 11 points. And, and that's it. Right. That fourth down play to Devontae Adams doesn't really matter. So, A.J. Cole, easy, A+. A+. What's your grade for the fourth down play call where they just threw a jump ball fade to Devontae Adams in the end zone? I'm going to say F. F. Here's the thing. Fail. Failure. It's not. It's one. It's a hard pass to complete. He threw it off his back foot. And... No matter how good Devontae Adams is, Stefan Gilmore is not a bad defensive back. And I just, I just think I've, and I, you might remember this. There's been a couple times this year where they had the key crucial plays, and you're like, man, that's a really hard pass to complete on that one. I'm trying to think of the other game where I said that, and I'm like, there's nothing else out there that you can do to try to pick up, pick up the the yardage. So they have multiple times this year on a fourth down thrown it deep to Devontae Adams. Yes. They have the touchdown against Kansas City. That was on a fourth and one or something like mm-hmm. that. Fourth and one. Right. They had they had the deep touchdown against Kansas City. They had one in the Devontae Adams, his touchdown, uh, the cornerback slipped on the play, but right. that was a deep ball against the Blitz. Usually when they get blitzed on sort of a third or fourth down must-have-it play, their default is Adams is running a deep route. The interesting part to me is that Devontae Adams yesterday was really good when he caught the ball, turned around, and he always makes the first person right, miss and had one guy. Yes. To beat. Yes. He was phenomenal at that. Yes. Now it's four. What was it? Fourth and eight. I wouldn't have loved just, Hey, throw it to Adams three yards down the field and see if he could make a move. But Adams is good enough that I think you can probably have a different route. That's not just run to the end zone and I'm throwing it up. Right. Like Adams is great at creating separation and Hey, run straight to the end zone and I'm going to throw it up is not Adam. Ask Devonte Adams to create separation before or after the catch, either one. He's great at it. Ask him to create separation, not just, hey, beat Gilmore in a jump ball for Carr, who's right. not exactly known as the best jump ball thrower. Jump ball thrower. All right, next topic to grade. Matt Ryan's 39-yard run. 
AF pass fail. AF pass fail. Okay, so this slogger, you got to give this slogger, you have to give this kid credit. He's 37, and he pulls off the 39-yard run. That's the A. The F is the Raiders allowed a slogger in the, <laughs> a on slogger. their game-winning drive to pull off a 39-yard run. So Matt Ryan, gets to me, gets an A for a bi- having the ability to do that at his age and how slow he is. And the Raiders pathetically allowed Matt Ryan to, to run 39 yards. I think Matt Ryan was 10 yards down the field before the Raiders realized he was running. <laughs> no, they're, they're literally looking at each other going, what's he doing? Yeah, right. Exactly. And part of me actually doesn't want to blame the Raiders because when is Matt Ryan running? Like, that's, in all seriousness, you, you don't have to game plan for Matt Ryan scrambling for a first down. Or running for 39 yards. He, he doesn't do that. So... A plus for Matt Ryan. And a to be plus. completely honest, I'm just giving a C to the Raiders defense. C. I don't blame them that much for Matt Ryan getting a 39-yard But once game. they realized 10 yards down the road, they should have stopped right. before 39. That would be helpful. You but, could run him down. You know, it happens. Um, all right, Yannick Ngakwe. Oh, I think this guy gets an A plus. I a think he had half a plus. sack, which is, already, which is only as much as Chandler Jones has gotten all year. It so, is. I mean, just that alone. I get the guy at A+. Plus. In one play, he had more than Chandler Jones. has a nine games. Half a sack on Derek Carr. Um, and it is as many as Chandler Jones has since becoming a Raider. I believe Yannick Ngakwe has more sacks in Allegiant Stadium than Chandler Jones does this season. Um, so my grade goes to Dave Ziegler, an F. F. They got rid of Yannick Ngakwe Why? for Chandler Jones. And Yannick Ngakwe is much, much better. All right, last topic to grade. Blake Martinez retiring. Oh, this is an interesting one because I, I want to say he really retired for one reason. So for ingenuity and creativity, he gets an A. A. Because I think he retired because he has that Pokemon card, yeah. which is worth however much money. It's like this unique Pokemon card. So if that's really the only reason he retired, because the week before he retired, he had the lead. He let him in tackle. So I don't know if it could have been his body <laughs> breaking down. Uh, for creativity, he gets an A. This is why he retired. Okay. A. Let me ask you a genuine question. And I know you're not Blake Martinez, who's the one that could answer this, but if the Raiders were six and two, does Blake Martinez retire? Incomplete. <laughs> Incomplete. <laughs> it's a good question. It's a good question. The starting linebacker of a team retired in the middle of a week. In the middle of the season, he retired. When they were he two and six. He looked around right, and he went, and I, don't, I don't want to do this. Right. Like, and did he simply look around and say, wow, we suck. I don't need the money because I can sell a Pokemon card instead or multiple Pokemon cards instead. And I wonder how different he would have looked at the situation if they were six and two. Because I, listen, I don't know what his priorities are, but I, most football players, well, I think you'd look at and they'd say, oh, we're six and two. I could win the right, Super Bowl. Right. I'm most most football players want to be the very best like no one ever was. <laughs> All right, coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. Can't practice, can't practice. You're hurt, you're hurt. It's as simple as that. But it ain't about that at all. You're sitting in here, you're supposed to be the franchise player. And yet here we are talking about you missing practice. Bischoff's Briefs. We're talking about practice. You understand me? Practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not the game you go out there and die for, right? Play every weekend like it's your last, right? No, we're talking about practice, man. Practice. You know you're supposed to be out there. You know you're supposed to lead by example. You're just shoving that all aside. 
So here we are. We're talking about practice. Not a game. Bischoff's briefs. Not the game. We're talking about practice with your team, with your teammates. The only place that we get to play together, we got control over. Rest of the time, it's us 11 against those 11. We're talking about practice, man. I'm talking about practice. And you can't do it because you're hurt, right? Fine by me. Bischoff's briefs. You could win $15,000 from ESPN Las Vegas and Aaron Taylor, the real estate guy. We're coming together to give you a shot at $15,000. Could help you pay your rent or mortgage for a year, or you can do whatever you want with it. All you have to do is go to lvsportsnetwork.com and enter for your chance to win $15,000 from ESPN Las Vegas and Aaron Taylor, the real estate guy. Must be 18 years or older to enter. Complete rules are available at lvsportsnetwork.com. Dot com. All right, Bischoff's Briefs today is taking a look at UNLV football, who lost to Fresno State 37-30 to over the weekend. First off, I know from the fan perspective, this sucks because UNLV starts 4-1. and Looks like this is going to be an easy season to get to a bowl game. And now all of a sudden they're 4-6, and and they have to win their last two games to go to a bowl game. Fortunately for UNLV, it's two bad teams, maybe the two worst teams in the Mountain West, so they're going to be favored in both. But from my perspective, this we are very close to best-case scenario, and that is a five-win UNLV team playing Nevada in the final game of the regular season. I think I've been asking for this for like five years. It'd be better if Nevada also had five wins, but they can't get there. UNLV playing their biggest rival with a bowl spot on the line is like as good as it's going to get for UNLV. Right. Right. At some point, maybe the program actually challenges for like a Mountain West title, but that's a ways off, even if it did happen. This is as that that's as big of a game as you can possibly have. I am going to be genuinely upset if they go to Hawaii and lose. If they have their bowl bid eliminated before the Nevada game, I will be genuinely disappointed if that happens. So please beat Hawaii so we can have the biggest UNLV Nevada game for UNLV side in 10 years, maybe forever, right? Like that would be phenomenal. Uh, Five and six UNLV against Nevada. Now on the game against Fresno state, one key here, Doug Brumfield, two games in a row has not looked good. He has not looked like the best quarterback in the mountain West. Like he did in the first five games of the years. He still makes some good plays, right? There were some good throws. He, did beat Fresno State with some big scrambles in there, but he was 18 of 34 for 172 yards as a passer. That's not very good. And the main difference in this UNLV team and the previous eight or nine UNLV teams was that Doug Brumfield was really good, was that Doug Brumfield was playing like a top-end quarterback in the Mountain West. Two games in a row, Brumfield has looked like an average Mountain West quarterback. And what that means for UNLV They're still going to be favored to beat Hawaii and Nevada. They should still beat Hawaii and Nevada if they get average quarterback play. But the margin for error is much, much smaller if Brumfield is an average quarterback. You could lose one of those games based on some bad turnover luck if Brumfield is simply average as a quarterback. So their chances of winning these next two games still very high, but not as high as they should be if what we've seen in the last two games is Doug Brumfield going forward. I don't know how realistic it is to expect him to return to that uh, form he was in when they were 4-1. and one. If he does, they're going to win these next two games easily, and they're going to a bowl game. If he doesn't, still going to be projected to win, 
but there's a real chance they lose one of these last two. Because, I'm trying to find the odds. Because, because they don't have the great quarterback play. I'm trying to find the odds because I st- you and I have said it all along. They're much better than Hawaii, but that's a weird trip. I'm guessing it's, seven or eight would be how much they'd be favored by. That's a by. weird trip. Degenerate Danny's in here. He just put his hand up. Danny, let us know in a minute because I got more on UNLV. Do you have it? Um, okay. Here's some. Here's another important part about Marcus Arroyo. He outcoached Jeff Tedford in that game. Game management-wise, Marcus Arroyo was the better coach in that game. Whoa. End of the half, first half, Arroyo dominated. So UNLV got the ball with just over six minutes to play, and UNLV drove inside the 10-yard line, ended up kicking a field goal, but they got points, and they killed the entire clock, 17 seconds left. So UNLV took six minutes off the clock and did not allow Fresno State to get the ball back to go down and score. Excellent job by Arroyo. However, he was helped out by Jeff Tedford being atrocious. Jeff Tedford could have used his timeouts on defense and they would have gotten the ball back with about a minute to go, right? And Fresno State threw it down the field on UNLV the entire game. Would have been no problem for them to get down the field and into field goal range. But Fresno State didn't do that because Jeff Tedford didn't call his timeouts on defense to save the clock. And then UNLV, fourth down decisions. Arroyo crushed Tedford in this too. Fresno State kicked two field goals on fourth and inches. Not fourth and two, fourth and five, fourth and seven. Fourth and inches. One of them did make it a two-possession game with like three minutes to go, so that one was fine. And Tedford called a timeout before kicking a 23-yard field goal. He wasted a timeout because he was afraid a delay a game was going to happen and it was going to be a 28-yard field goal. Meanwhile, Arroyo went for it on fourth and inches from his 34-yard line twice. Got blown up on one of those plays and didn't convert. But Arroyo was the better game management coach in this game. And I feel like it's probably the first time we've been able to say that. He was asked afterwards, and you can help me out here, um, situation late, one one plus minutes, uh, one ten left, they got to the 25-yard line. Right, down. he was after, asked afterwards why he didn't uh, kick the field goal Could have kicked the field goal and then onside kick and try to score a touchdown. Instead, they ran like three plays, the clock got down to like 11 seconds, and they kicked the field goal on third down instead of on first down. I don't think it was the worst decision in the world because when you get close to the goal line... He didn't like being asked about it. Well, and that's the thing. Twice in a row, Marcus Arroyo has had a decision question. Uh, He had the fourth down where he punted against San Diego State and they never got the ball back. And then he didn't kick the field goal after a minute uh, with a minute to go in this game that would have given them a shot at onside kick and a touchdown. He's been questioned. Cofield did it uh, after San Diego State and he got asked, I think, by Adam Hill after this game. Andy. Uh, Oh, it was Andy. Okay. Both times Marcus Arroyo's answer has been no. Right. Right. Like he doesn't. He doesn't expound on that. There's not even a, a. a thought that they could have done something different. He acts like, oh, no, we made that decision, and it's the only decision we ever could have made. Right. And, like, if you second-guess him, no, no, there's no second-guessing. There was no other choice. It's very weird that he's like, nope, not it. Not it. We didn't even consider kicking a field goal. We didn't even consider going forward on fourth and five. We made the right decision every time. It's like, you, it's fine to be like, ah, we thought about it, but we didn't think that was the right move because blank. No, no, he's just, no, we made the right choice, even though both have worked out poorly right. for him. What do you got for us, Danny? So right now, UNLV is favored by 11 against Hawaii oh. and 10 against Nevada. More oh. than I thought on okay. Hawaii. All right. All right. Uh, I'd bet right. Hawaii. UNLV wins by six. Coming up next, Lindsey Brown joins the show.
Josh Levo looking for his first goal as a blue. Now it's behind. Another try. They score! Levo from the right circle fed it off to the captain O'Reilly. He jams it home from below the right circle. 3-2 St. Louis. Two quick strikes for the Blues. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now is Lindsey Brown. Hi, Lindsey. Lindsey! Hellest of woes and highest of hoes. Gentlemen, how are we today? We're good. Um, how good are the Vikings? Oh, guys, I'm all in on this. Oh, you're going to be so Bischoff. disappointed. You're going to be so disappointed. Uh, now, probably. I mean, it is the way of our, our life when you grow up in the in the greater Minnesota area. But I just, once Justin Jefferson upstaged uh, Stephon Diggs' one-handed catch with a different one hand, I was just like, what is this kid? This kid is a cheat code. Then you had Eric Kendricks literally saving the game with a Josh Allen fumble. And so I don't know how, how the hell that happened. But it's just, it's one of those wins where it's like, well, if I'm not getting on now, I'm never going to. So I'm on it. You know, you know what's going to happen. Um, the Vikings are going to get the two seed in the NFC playoffs, and they're going to play mm-hmm. the seven seed, the wild card Green Bay Packers, and the Packers are going to win in Minnesota in the playoffs by a kick. I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's what's going to happen here. Um, I don't know. Is there a luckier team in the NFL than the Vikings right now? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, it's just it's that one score game stat that is that the Raiders are on the opposite side of where they're losing every single one. But their fourth quarters have been unbelievable this year. The big thing that's really ailed them the last couple of seasons has been their defense. And I just think when they didn't have a lot of pressure on the line last year with Daniel Hunter out, that you really couldn't get like peak Patrick Peterson or peak Harrison Smith. But now that you have that fortified got an offense that's going out there running the ball just as well as they're moving it uh, in the air. And and you just have a really confident football team. It's just when you keep winning games that way, uh, that late, and it just seems like a magical thing that you can ride. And so I, I think that they're all in. I know that everybody back home is super excited. And there's nothing like the Twin Cities when the Vikings are good, guys. Like, it's, it's a football town. It's a hockey state, but it's a football town. Uh, are the Knights ever going to win again? Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> Uh, you guys are just, will they ever lose? Will they ever win? We got to get doing? better at like how <laughs> no. we look at the team. You win them all or you lose them all. Yeah. No in between. Well, the Sharks are vibing right now. So, I mean, uh, we're having a resurgent Eric Carlson. He leads the team with, in goals so far. Logan Couture is putting some pucks in the net. And finally, Timo Meyer, who was shooting like 100 pucks without a goal to start out the season, he's gotten going as well. They were, I think, on a four or five game losing streak until they won the last two, including a comeback victory over the Minnesota Wild. And so uh, I I would expect a much better, uh, like, lung effort tomorrow. We all know that the legs are heavy, and and therefore, once the legs start getting heavy, then the lungs start uh, having those heavy breaths as well. And so I I expect a a better performance from the Knights. And I mean, they lose one. It's they're they're still the best team in the league right now. They still got some of the best scoring top to bottom, and now we're seeing the defensemen chip in as well. And so I'm I'm not worried. All right, uh, you want to take your victory lap on Phil Kessel before I shut it down? Oh, Phil, the thrill! My God, I mean, it's almost like he listens to the show, Tyler, and all the bad vibes. And he just goes, you know what? That TB character in the morning, middle fingers to you, but I'm gonna go score two goals. Like, I just – Phil Kessel is so much more important to this team 
uh, outside of the production that he puts up. And we're seeing a really great effort to start the season from the bottom six. And you could say, well, the third line is kind of the fourth line. But here's the thing. This team is just – it's a cohesive unit. It's whoever's playing the best, whoever's making – uh, making the most plays, and sometimes that's just holding the puck in the offensive zone. Sometimes that's putting a well-placed dump, and that's winning a, a battle along the boards. And well, he's not the guy to always win those battles along the boards. He's setting people up, and he's flying well. And so, Tyler, get off the Phil Kessel. Uh, you you're you're no, about no, to no, really. I got. Yeah, I got you're more about bad to vibes. really uh, uh, be set back here. Yeah, here's your bad vibes. Why? You got some numbers. To oh, show yeah. me, show yeah. me your numbers. Yeah, hundred percent. Right. Last five games. When Phil Kessel's on the ice, the Golden Knights have been outshot 40 to 18. That is the worst differential on the team. When Phil Kessel's on the ice, they've allowed 38 scoring chances, created just 22. That is the worst differential on the team. When Phil Kessel's on the ice, they've allowed 16 high danger chances, created just eight. That's the second worst differential on the team. Only Michael Amadio is worse, who got benched. And over the last five games, the expected goals rate for Phil Kessel is 30%. That is the second worst on the team. Only Michael Amadio is worse. Over the last two weeks, 316 NHL forwards have played at least 40 minutes. Phil Kessel ranks 305th in expected goals rate. He is not any good. And here's the key, Lindsay. Bruce Cassidy already knows this. Last five games, Phil Kessel has the lowest ice time of any Golden Knight on a per-game basis. Bruce Cassidy is already benching Phil Kessel without actually benching Phil Kessel. He just sits on the bench instead of in the press box in a suit. He's not any good. The goals are nice, but he's not, not actually good. good. He's every time okay. he's out there, they're getting crushed. They're not getting crushed. They're winning games, Tyler. Your numbers mean they nothing. Just lost. Like, they, they just lost. They literally don't mean anything to me. Like I just, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter until it does. And honestly, they just I lost. Can, so I it can matters. He's 35 years old. He's past his prime. But we're not looking for him to generate things. We're looking for him to be a levitating presence in the locker room. Yes, this yes. Team, that's what yes. he is here to do. He is one of the yes. most well-respected, levitating, a levitating NHL. presence. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. do a leap effect, okay? Like, that's what he is here to do. And When and, he's healthy and, scratched, he still gets to go in the locker room. I'm not kicking him out of the country. Just not just off the ice. You're just torching. You're just torching his career and legacy, which is so much better. He's doing that. He's not any good. What <laughs> no, do you mean? I'm not. torching he's it. Fine. He's fine. You guys are you guys are are harping on syntax instead of looking at the overall uh, no of the paper. That's what you're doing. I'm not because I like levitating. Yeah, there you go, Ed. Yes, little, I'm on your side. I like levitating. Feeling the bubbles. Feeling the bubbles. The optimist. All right, here, Lindsay. Here's the real key for why Phil Kessel is not going to be benched. They do not have a better option. <laughs> what? What? Option to be the worst player on the team. Wouldn't you say? Right. Got two Stanley Cups. Knows how to set up a power play. Can zing some passes. Shoots low. Doesn't always go bar down. Seeing this is the net and starts to break out the other way. Like all these little decisions matter. And and he's a guy that's played a lot of hockey. And just because he doesn't fit your mold, Tyler doesn't mean that he's going to He doesn't fit my... It's not my mold. It's Bruce Cassidy's oh, mold. He doesn't fit. No, it's Bruce Cassidy's mold. He doesn't fit. That's why Bruce Cassidy won't put him on the ice. I don't question anything Bruce is saying or doing. Yeah, you, well, Bruce is not playing him, so Bruce agrees with me. Bruce is just playing him less, and that's fine because the third line has been the least productive out of out of the four, and so somebody has to be in the back of the line. Somebody has to be. He's a pretty good guy to bring from the back. 
That's fine. He's. I mean, listen, Bruce Cassidy already benched somebody from the third line. He just doesn't have another He's option not to benching, bench Phil Kessel. They're rotating out. It's different. Well, He's then, not the same. then rotate Phil Kessel out too. They're not gonna. I know. He's levitating present. It's not. He's not. They just lost, and he scored his goal. Was it was the most meaningless one game. goal? Yeah. We, <laughs> oh my god. We, you've been telling me not to bench him because oh because they're winning. They just lost. Get him out of there. Oh. It's ridiculous. Oh god. All right, get out of here, Lindsay. We appreciate it. We'll yell about this. See you later. I'm on your side, kid. Whatever, Ed. I appreciate you, Ed Bard. You and I, ride or die. Yeah, ride or die. There's no such thing as momentum, but... (laughs) We're working on you. We're working on you. I'm going to win you over one of these days. Wait, wait. Hold on. Before we let you go, how come the Bills didn't ride their momentum to a win after they stuffed Kirk Cousins on fourth and goal? Because Josh Allen's pain medicine energy superseded that. Okay, so pain management is more important than momentum. I need a chart from you next time you're on the show. What things rank above momentum? Okay, I'll work on it. I'll All probably right. forget, but I'll work on it. Does hard work beat talent when talent doesn't have motivation? Oh, yeah, T-shirt. Oh, you have t-shirt no idea down. how much that was flung at me during my career. It's hilarious. All right. She's All Lindsay right. Brown. Thanks, Lindsay. Bye. See you, Lindsay. Bye. Oh, she oh, went fast. Man, she was fast. Phenomenal. Phenomenal dial tone. All right. Uh, Phil Castle's not any good. And we got pink tickets to give away. If you want to go see pink next next year year. at Allegiant Stadium, 702-364-1100 is the phone number. Tickets do not go on sale until November 21st, a week from today. But we've got a pair of tickets you can win right now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. If you want to go see pink at Allegiant Stadium, be caller number 9 at 702-364-1100. 364-1100. Mahomes, Pacheco. They fake a jet action. Mahomes wants to throw the ball. Slings it wide open right side. Kadarius Tony walks the tightrope and is hopping into the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. Is it football or gymnastics? Kadarius Tony lands it for a gold medal and his first National Football League touchdown. They fake to him this time, does Mahomes. Steps up into the pocket, fires for the end zone. Wide open, touchdown! Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And tosses the ball up in the air after an 18-yard touchdown reception. The Jaguars lose MVS and pay. McKinnon halfback, left, sprints to the near flat. Mahomes will fire for the end zone, caught! Their side, touchdown! Kansas City, Noah Gray! Patrick Mahomes with more touchdown passes than any quarterback in National Football history in his first 75 games. Now Mahomes fires, Kelsey, quick touchdown! Kansas City, a fourth touchdown pass by Patrick Mahomes, this time to Kelsey, his buddy for seven yards, and sweet neck for the end zone, and the Chiefs lead 26-10. to You're locked in the press box. Congratulations to Kevin. He won tickets to go see Pink. Also, tonight for Monday Night Football, you can head out to Twin Peaks in Henderson. Cofield and company will be on the air leading up to the game. You can listen to it right here on ESPN Las Vegas, and then Willie will uh, be out there during Monday Night Football. Uh, On the Chiefs, apparently they are going to play in Germany next year, and that information was leaked via a billboard in Munich. <laughs> they didn't give the opponent like the NFL. Uh, it's it's a billboard. It says coming soon, and it's Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs logo. Okay, 
which as soon as next season. Right. Um, that's a tweet from Will Gavin. Will Gavin also tweeted that it looks like the NFL is probably going to play two games in Germany next year. They'll do one in Munich and one in Frankfurt. Raiders will get one of them. And the Chiefs will probably be in Munich, it looks yeah. like. Um, so, yeah, there's a... The and NFL. then they'll go to London more times. Yeah, well, They always they, have their London, London games. four times this year? They always Three have times. London games. Are they just going to end up with one international game a week? Like, we're going to have the first week of the season and the last week of the question. season, yeah. no international games. But then, like, every other week, they'll just be an international game. Mexico City, London, yeah. Germany. They'll add, Quebec! They'll, add, they'll add places. Apparently, the game in Germany was... The ticket demand yeah. was insane. Oh, insane. It, the prices. So one of my favorite like fun facts is when NFL Europe folded, Germany, like two of the German teams just went, well, we'll keep playing each other <laughs> and basically built a league out of like, well, we already got the field and the equipment. <laughs> it's uh, okay. Long term for the NFL. Is this enough for them to pull money out of Europe? Like the whole idea here is how do they make more money? And they want to, you know, be a global brand and all that. Well, wasn't and, that Germany game a good example? Well, we've heard there's always been the talk about can the NFL expand to Europe? Can the NFL right. put a division in Europe and or a something team or a Europe. team or yeah. a division, exactly. whatever? Is is this enough for them though? Like, is the idea of hey, we're gonna play? Like, like I said, if they expand it to where it's like we're gonna play twelve games in Europe every single year, right? We're gonna have four in London, three in Germany, and we'll put some in other cities too. Is that enough to where the NFL says, okay, we don't need to put a team in Europe? Or is it so good and so lucrative that they they say, we have to find a way to put a team over here? I mean, I think if they did a split schedule of a team in like Canada that also played in Europe, like it would, it's just, it's a traveling team. The Duluth Eskimos. We bring back the Duluth Eskimos as a traveling team, and they're always playing on foreign soil. I don't know if they put a whole division over there. It just, it just seems even for football so far fetched to have a team based in, in London or Germany, places like that. Like there's so much made of how teams travel over, when right. they travel over, oh yeah, and coming back. They get the buy coming back. Usually, not yeah. all of them. Apparently, Jacksonville did not. Teams can decline the buy yeah. coming back. Like it's just there's there's so much made about it that I just have a hard time believing that you'd put a team over there that and you'd have, have to logistically team, do that right. on a weekly basis. That you'd have a the London Jaguars or whatever. The UK Jags. It just seems so absurd that I think the answer is just, well, we'll play a game in Europe every week or you yeah. know, 12, 15 weeks a Ooh. season. And we'll, you know, go to different countries and different cities or whatever. But that's, we're going to make the money that way. Because the other thing is, the fan, like, I don't know exactly what the fan bases are in Germany, but we see it every year. People show up to these games in random NFL jerseys. Teams aren't even playing. Right. right. It's a, spectacle of oh it's the nfl's here and if you're in germany and whatever you're a patriots fan or something like that you're still going to watch the bucks play the yeah, tom brady's on or the whatever team. yeah so it's like i don't know that you need to have a munich team for right. people in munich to come watch an nfl game three or four times not a if year. you saw germany yesterday yeah so it just you know seems like it and also i saw the stat it was the first time two division leaders were playing in europe yeah, the, we normally and, we normally are sending the Jags over there. Well, they the thought Raiders. they were doing that with the Seahawks. 
They oh, thought yeah, they were point. sending the Seahawks, the bad Seahawks over, but they ended up being decent and winning their division. Bucks also sucked too, but they were winning their division right. by default. Because right. that division's just that a nightmare. division's a nightmare. They finally got back to five hundred and now are gonna coast to a division title <laughs> at nine and seven. Which by the way, Buccaneers get in at nine and seven. What are they gonna play? Like the Seahawks in the first round? Rematch? They win that division? Are they going to get that Geno Smith team in the first round of the playoffs? Coming there? Coming to, coming to Tampa? 9-8? and eight? The NFC is going to be outside of, like, the Eagles. The NFC is going to be so easy that Tom Brady's just, well, yeah, win nine and you're going to be fine. Lindsay's Vikings. No, I just told they're losing to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, by two. Right. They're going to have a. They're gonna have the, the ball down game. by two. Their kicker is going to, like, he is going to for somehow have, like, nailed a 70-yarder earlier in the game, and he's going to score a gummy. No, it's just that that's how the Vikings lose. Yeah. The Vikings lose. 38-yard field goal. Miss like, it. They yeah. lose on a 22-yard field yeah. goal, even though Blair Walsh has kicked every point that the Vikings have scored in the game. Yeah, won't miss a field goal or extra point the rest of the year, and then when they need a game winner in the playoffs, they'll miss it, and it'll be funny. Um, so, yeah, there's the NFL. Uh, Jared, welcome back. Jared brought Hope his you had popcorn. A good trip, buddy. I like trying to make you talk in the final 10 seconds of the show. He I'm related to Don Beebe. Do I have to use a frying That's pan a great, to make this popcorn? That's a great trivia question. Is it? 